on that trophy. Second season running, that she's done so in the colours of Manchester City. Oh, lovely footwork there from Weah! A special goal in a special game from Caroline Weah. That is world class. That is outstanding. A worldie from Weah. Hello and welcome to our final podcast of the season. This is MCW Fancast and I'm Emma. Thanks for listening. We're delighted to be joined by Dave, Jane, Paul and Charlotte for this special end of season review. We took a bit of time away to reflect on what's been a turbulent season from our last episode with the build-up to the FA Cup final against Chelsea at Wembley Stadium. The result and onto the aftermath that prevailed with player departures and the realisation that this City team is going to look very different next season. Since recording, City have confirmed their first summer signing in Dana Castellanos, who joins from Atletico Madrid, who had been linked with the club. She pens a three-year deal, an incredible attacker who bolsters our forward line. It's a great addition for Gareth Taylor in what will hopefully be a successful summer in the transfer window. I'm Lauren Hemp and you're listening to MCW Fancast. Dave, Jane, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? Yeah, good, thank you. Nice to, nice to come on and have a chat. Hi, Emma. Nice to speak again. Yeah, Paul, nice to have you. Yeah, good, good to be on um, at the end of the season. We're having a little wash-up about the season. And we're joined by Charlotte. Charlotte, <laughs> you Okay. Yeah, hello. Nice to speak to you. God, um, thanks guys for coming on. Um, obviously, we've had a little bit of time to reflect, to drown our sorrows. <laughs> it's It's been a, an up and down season. Obviously, we finished well. We finished third in the league. We've obviously secured a Champions League for next season, which I think, you know, when you kind of reflect on the season and, and look back on, on where we were, you know, I think that's, as fans, you know, I think we're really pleased with that. Obviously, County Cup final, uh, a trophy in the cabinet and the final against Chelsea. Um, I mean, let's talk about that result because obviously we've not had a chance to. I'll start with you, Dave, if that's OK. How were you feeling headed into the game and, and obviously in the build-up to it, you know, getting to Wembley, the atmosphere, how did you take it all in? Yeah, well, obviously excited. Any cup final at Wembley. And I think we spoke about uh, on the last podcast we did before it that, you know, almost like a free hit for us. We weren't expecting that this season. We got our, we, we achieved our objective and got the third place. So the cup final was a bonus. So really, uh, you know, went down there and thought, you know, we'll, we'll give them a good game, which, you know, I think we did. And, and it was still a good day out. We had a great time. Uh, great time on the court, great atmosphere going down, lots of singing, shouting and, um, you know, as a cup final should be. It wasn't me shouting, by the way. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, I think I think that sums sums it up pretty perfectly, really. Um, I think the occasion itself, just the travel, you know, enjoying it with fans. I think that was kind of shown throughout. Everyone, everyone kind of had a really good feeling going into the game, and I think the game itself shaped up to be. Even though on the on the day, obviously the result didn't go our way, but I think the performance was there. Um, you know, we weren't that far off. Um, obviously, when Haley got that equaliser in the the dying minutes of normal time, you're thinking, 
Jane, could could we could we just do it? Yeah, it was. I mean, like you say, the game was pretty evenly matched throughout, to be honest. Um, we gave Chelsea a really good game. Both teams, I think, gave a really good account of themselves. Oh, and it did give us that extra bit of hope when Haley put that goal in. It went absolutely wild in the stand. It was unbelievable celebrations, like just thinking that, you know, maybe we could do it. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't to be. And like Dave said, kind of, you know, our objective before the before that game, we'd kind of reached of getting that Champions League spot, which was really important. important. And it would have been great to come away with the trophy on that day, but it just wasn't to be. And I think, I don't think we let it, as fans, I don't think we let it affect having a brilliant day out and just being able to kind of enjoy and celebrate the occasion. I think everybody still really enjoyed the day out. Yeah, I think it's one of those where it kind of feels worse on a day and it it took me <laughs> it took me a while to re... I, I like to re-watch the games, um, but it took me a, a while to, to come around to watching that, to be fair. Um, as much as I kind of enjoyed the day and, and enjoying it with the fans, I think obviously because we sort of missed out the last time we were at Wembley, I think I soaked it in a little bit more. I think there was a point at, I think particularly when all the, the teams were coming out and the crowd, you know, which was so much greater than that that we saw in the last final that we were there for. And obviously record-breaking crowd over, was it 49,000 on the day? So, you know, incredible in terms of a, a marker for the women's game and and sort of heading in the right, right direction. But I felt so sorry for Alex Greenwood just to be outdone by that that deflection on the day and it you know it, it was deflating I think for everyone because it was just we weren't for me matched you know we had the better of the opportunities I think we were you pretty 50 you know in 50 50 in terms of the shots on target but again just to be outdone by a, a bit of a a moment of brilliance but a bit of a lapse and a bit of an error which is a shame just because of the the season that Greenwood's had and how fantastic she's been, you know, she can't take that to heart and think or dwell on that too much, Paul. No, um, yeah, I had, a, I had a different experience. I came down on one of the um, city-sponsored £10 a seat coaches and it was certainly a bit quieter, but the, the really great thing was there loads of families, loads of people that we'd never seen before who'd clearly taken advantage of what was a, you know, very cheap uh, offer, so fair play, fair play to the club. So there was loads of new people there and you know, and as as we've all, I think we've all alluded to, fifty five, nearly fifty thousand people on for an FA, women's FA Cup final is a staggering achievement from where the game was five years ago. Um, you know, it, we've really moved on, and it was great to see two big sets of fans, Chelsea at the other end, us at our end, uh, really giving it some, waving the flags, making loads of noise, uh, and and at the end of the day, it was the two form teams in the league, the two best teams coming into that. Final because normally when we go to a final, we expect to win. We're playing Birmingham or West Ham. With due respect to them, we would expect to beat those teams. So, as Dave says, it was a free hit, there was nothing in it, it was all fine margins. They got a, a you know, that first goal could have gone anywhere. You know, it's one of those 99 times out of 100 that had gone over the bar. It went in. We had a they then had a worldie from Cuthbert who had a fantastic game and really was their star player. Her goal and then, was amazing. Yeah, and, yeah, absolutely worldy. And and then, you know, they got that deflected goal at the end. And we scored two really quality goals. But at the end of the day, we weren't quite clinical enough. And, you know, when Alana Kelly made that slight error, and it wasn't a big error, a world-class forward like Sam Kerr is going to get on that. 
And, you know, that shot, if it was probably going wide and it got deflected in, all fine margins. But what we need to focus on is we gave the double-winning team a real game. There was nothing in that game. It was all fine margins. And I think if you ask Chelsea fans, they would say the same. It could have gone either way. So I, I was pleased that we had a, a fantastic day out. Really great atmosphere at our end. Loads and loads of people. You know, real you know, City fans, you know, probably maybe some of them certainly for the first time watching the women's team in, in a big cup final. Lost to build on and just a fantastic day. I fully enjoyed it. And I didn't feel too depressed coming coming back because I thought, you know, we could have won that. We might we might on another day have won it, but you know, it's all fine margins at that level. And that was two, as Jay rightly says, two top teams going at it for nine, well, 120 minutes. Fantastic achievement. Um, Charlotte, when you, obviously you were at, at the game, I mean, it felt to me like at, in parts Chelsea were doing every everything in terms of every trick in the book to like slow the game down frustrated AKB was just like time wasted and they were taking it to the corners I mean you know if it's the other way around we'd have no doubt done the same thing but when you're in the stands watching the game I mean it's so frustrating yeah I felt like that that last half of extra time went on for a while but um you know, the overall occasion was so emotional. Like like you said, seeing the girls walk out at Wembley for me was the first time I've ever experienced that. And it's something I've always wanted to go to Wembley and experience City at Wembley. And, and it was such a great occasion um, going down Wembley Way. The city had a fan park as well, which was great to see. And um, just to experience the whole day as a whole um, is something I'll remember over the result. I've still not watched it back. I'm one of those that do watch the every game back, but I've still not watched the game back. So from the top of my memory, it just felt like the second... Last half was a long time, but um, overall, I, I really enjoyed the day. Yeah, hopefully we can do it again next season. <laughs> so, but I mean, yeah, I, I think in terms of obviously for you, because you're obviously experiencing it first time, but genuine, you know, that fan experience on from, you know, previous occasions Jane it was a lot better you know in terms of those fan zones you know the atmosphere on Wembley Way the the scarves the flags everything about it it was just it just showing that it is progressing and moving in the right direction yeah definitely it did feel like kind of the fan experience side of it were definitely stepped up a notch um like you say there was there was more going on outside it just felt like a bigger occasion than I think it even has done in the past. It felt like a really big occasion, which is rightfully so. You know, it's the FA Cup final. It's It should be a big occasion like that. And I think there was a lot had gone into kind of the organisation side of it, which went really well. And a new experience as well. I mean, aerobics at halftime. I mean, that's something that's not been seen before. <laughs> Let alone the women's game. Hope, the men's hopefully game. never again. Hopefully that's <laughs> one off. Um, I mean, I just... What is going on? <laughs> I've been I've been to big uh, men's finals and and I, this was the first time where it felt like the FA had really pushed the ball out and 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 gone for equal you know razzmatazz you know you know singers at the start loads of flags loads of stuff going on as you rightly say stuff going on outside the ground it felt like a buzzing big F, big final. And I think that is you know testament to the fact that they knew they were going to get a 50,000 crowd. So you've got to take it seriously. You've got to say this is the this is just as serious, this is just as big as the as the men's final. And 
I, that's how I felt it was. I felt it was just a really great experience for everybody. It was well organized, wasn't as chaotic as it has been in the past. And it just felt like, you know, um, a, a, a massive step forward for the game, you know, in the bigger picture. It's disappointing for us, but in terms of the game's development, a huge step forward that we can build on going into the Euros and then coming out of the Euros. Because there was loads of neutrals there. There was loads, of, as I say, loads of City fans. You know, obviously on the, the official supporters coach, those are, those are people that go week in, week out. There was loads of people on our coaches who had clearly never been to a women, women, women's game before. And I think they, they will have come away with a very positive impression of the standard of football, the atmosphere... And we've got a really good team that they might want hopefully come on and see at the academy. Yeah, I mean, that's from the positive you take away from things like this is that, again, like you said, a lot of fans there might have had their first women's game experience, really enjoyed it. And hopefully they will return next season. Obviously, you know, there is a, a huge major tournament coming up in the Euros, obviously being hosted here uh, this summer and, Again, we've got a sort of, we've talked about it in the past, but we have got to look at finding ways of growing our attendances. And, and Charlotte, do you feel that, you know, this is a really good opportunity to, to welcome fans through the turnstiles come next season? Yeah, I, I get goosebumps thinking about what the league's going to be like after the summer because I just feel like everything's going to change for the better. I feel like that hopefully we're going to have more fans. It won't just be me waiting for players after games anymore. It'll be bunches and crowds and crowds of people. But um yeah, I just get so excited about how next season's going to be. Um, yeah, I really do think this is the, the time for the women's game to show. And and I think that's why I was disappointed with the Community Shield being rumoured to be scheduled the same day because this is supposed to be a showcase of women's football. It's not supposed to clash with anything else. And um, I am glad that now it has been moved to the Saturday and there is no clashes with the women's Euros. It's supposed to be the highlight of the women's game and I think it will do that. Yeah, I think, Dave, I think that's a fair point. You know, it was not a really good start, really, when we saw, obviously, that the, the, the community issue had been announced. Essentially, that clash would have happened. And, you know, you've been, and a lot of fans have been talking about this, you know, throughout the season. And, and yet here we are, first game of the season, essentially, for City in terms of, you know, uh, a bit of trophy, you know, silverware on offer. And again, it's it's being cra- clashed with a, a lot of fans that are looking to obviously attend that final too. Yeah, I think it's just an important thing. You know, we've said it many times that hopefully the FA can start to realise that, you know, men's football fans and women's football fans ain't exclusive. It's this, A lot of it's the same people. There's a lot of crossover. And where possible, we need to avoid these clashes, especially big games like you're talking about the Euros final. Obviously, it means the, the men's community shield can't be at Wembley, which, you know, that's happened before. Um, I remember City playing uh, Chelsea at Villa Park because the Olympics was on in 2012. And um, so it's not unprecedented that it's not been at Wembley. Uh, Leicester's a great venue. So it's great that they've moved it to the day before because there'll be a number of people who plan to go to the Euro final, but, are, you know, City fans who also want to go and watch the men. And now they can do both. Um, you know, so there's an argument that when City play Liverpool anyway, it shouldn't be all the way down in London. So, you know, you, there's less travel involved for those who are just going to the one game as well. So it's a good start that they've actually, hopefully they've, they've looked at it and made that decision rather than it just being random. Because, you know, we've, we've talked about it many times, these clashes, it's the, the one thing we want to see changing in the women's game to get the crowds up as we're talking about. is I know it can't always be um, avoided, but where it can be avoided, it should be. I, I think it, it simply it should change 
there's no sort of doubt about it. It needs to change in order for, for the fan bases to grow. And that's not just City, that's, you know, for the rest of the Across league. Across the board, yeah. I think it's a massive step forward, actually, because they've moved a glorified friendly from clashing with the biggest game in, you know, it's a continental final that they, they were clashing with, you know, two of the best, well, the two best teams in Europe in the women's game will be fighting it out at Wembley. So I think it's a big step forward. But like Dave, I'm cautious because I think we might end up with more clashes in the in the in the WSL next season. We've got to avoid that because we're never going to grow that fan base that, that Charlotte was mentioning. If you have these clashes all the time and then you have these stupid things where Arsenal are playing on a Sunday night, eight o'clock at our place, or vice versa. You know, you're not going to get coach loads of people coming along. You're not going to get the new fans coming along if you keep moving the times and having these clashes. Because attendances, attendances this season are significantly down in the WSL. I think they're down by about a third. And yet the standard of football has gone up. You know, so you've got the, there's something going wrong. So we need to build on the Euros. We need to use that platform. But if we keep doing these stupid scheduling things, then we're just not going to get there. But I do think it's a big step forward that the FA have realised that big continental final, glorified friendly, let's move the glorified friendly. Uh, and as you said, uh, put it somewhere where at least Liverpool and City fans don't have to travel all the way to London. Although it's bizarre why it can't be at Ellen Road or you know, a neutral ground like Old Trafford or something like that. It's just mad. Mm. Um, but that's, this is the sort of nonsense that we have to put up with as fans time and time again, isn't it? I mean, Matt has asked the question on Twitter, given the attendances being down this season across the whole of the WSL, uh, what do you think needs to be done to improve the attendances uh, when looking ahead to next year? I think, I think what Paul's just said, I think these clashes are a major part of it. Um, I was looking at... Um, a chart today, and if you take out the uh, the prestigious games that teams play at the men's stadiums, because they can inflate the averages a little bit. So if we just look at the where they regularly play, so like Chelsea, Kings Meadow, City at the Academy, you know, Spurs at, at Barnet, rather than when they play at White Hart Lane and things like that, they are down more or less a thousand to two thousand across the board, you know, on what they were say three or four years ago, say pre-pandemic. Yeah. So there's, you know, it's not just the clashes. We've got to use the Euros to build on it. We did this after the 2015 World Cup um, and after the 2019 World Cup, but obviously then the pandemic hit and, and did damage that. But, but a lot of good work was done. I think um, a lot of teams now are marketing it really well. I see that Arsenal have offered for the games to play in at the Emirates where male, male season ticket holders at Arsenal can now buy in to those games as well on those seasons. Those sort of incentives are important, I think. And a lot of clubs are, are, are realising that. Because it's about getting people in through the through the, through the turnstiles, and once they do it, like Paul said, the people who went to Wembley, once they do it, if they do it as a novelty, a one-off, some of those will come back because they'll realise that the product you're watching isn't a novelty. The product you're watching is quality. You know, some of the best footballers in the world in the women's game are now playing in the WSL without a doubt, and you can see them week in week out for for a more affordable price. Uh, it is a more family friendly thing as well it's, it's certainly a more family affordable thing that's another uh, angle to push start with the clashes and as Paul says the kickoff times maybe just look at them because it's great having stuff on the TV and everything for everybody but we want people in the grounds I'm sure every club wants their grounds to be you know if not full certainly you know increasing at a natural rate 
So that, that those are the things I'd look at. I think I think the clubs themselves have got to be a bit cannier as well. So if you think about United, my I've got a mate who's a United season ticket holder. He said he would go and watch the women's game. He doesn't drive, so he's not going to go out to Lee Sports Village. He's he's not going to do it. So the clubs need to think about where their grounds are now. They need to think about how you make it easy to get people in and out of grounds. Lee Sports Village is a nightmare to get to. So United fans who would be who would watch the men's game are going to be deterred because not like unlike our ground where you can just jump off a tram, you can get a bus. You know it's easy to get to our ground. We've got to be much more sussed about how we make it easy for people to engage with the game. And continue engaging the game. And the reason I keep mentioning the attendance times, if you if you've got a kickoff at eight o'clock or seven o'clock on a Sunday night, and you're thinking of taking your small children to the game, and they've got school the next day, that is a deterrence as well. It's all of these practical that seem really small, but we're not making it easy for people to engage. People don't always have that visceral sort of connection that you might have to the more established men's game so in order to do that you've got to avoid the clashes make it easy as Dave says it's really affordable and keep reminding people that you're going to see some of the best players on the planet for for, for like eight quid less than a, less than the price of a cinema ticket to watch Alex Greenwood, Steph Horton, Ellie Roebuck, Ellen White, all of these world, you know, Sam Kerr, all of these world-class players for less than the price of a cinema ticket. Shane, I mean, obviously we've seen a lot of clubs uh, host games in their the main stadiums, let's say the men's stadiums for a lot of teams. Do you feel that that's something the City might look to do again in terms of doing it and getting knowing that they'll probably get a larger crowd in and trying to see, again, if we can utilise those sort of extra sort of people going along to the games, maybe for the first time and seeing if that will increase the footfall through the turnstiles. Um, yeah, I think probably in the coming season, we probably will see another game in the Etihad. For me, my thought is that my preference <laughs> would be to see five, 6,000 in the academy stadium every week. That's what I want to see kind of building yeah. on that. But I do understand that playing in the main stadium does attract a big crowd. So it's kind of, it gives it that big occasion. Um, so then the work after that, the work to me comes after that game, getting those people to come back. So, you know, for the United game where 31,000 or whatever turned up, getting a large percentage of those to come back. And like Paul says, you've got to make it as easy as possible for those people to kind of build up that that feeling of real kind of emotion towards the team where you want to come back every week. You've got to make it easy for them. You've got to make it to a place where it's nice and simple for them to go. And there is a bit of kind of, I know what time the kickoff times are going to be. And there is kind of that pattern that forms that you get into a pattern of when the games are going to be. So I think, yeah, this coming season, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see another game in the Etihad. But for me, the work comes after it in getting those people to come back. When I look at City, I, I, I think I think our ground's really accessible. I think our prices are really affordable. There's benefits, obviously, the drinks, you know, for families and stuff, that can obviously be a bit of an outgoing in terms of financial. And, you know, we're offering that for free, in, inclusive of the ticket price. 
that side of things, I honestly don't know what more we could do. I, I think the City, the fan experience, the fan engagement that they get, particularly from the young fans, you know, uh, having obviously the Moonies there and free flags, the face. Yeah. <laughs> every, every, everything they do, everything we do is incredible. I cannot praise the club enough uh, for that side of things. Obviously, I've not got children myself, uh, but I see everybody, you know, getting involved with that that side of things whenever you're in you know walking through the stadium and it creates such a great atmosphere like you say I would love to see you know us up that attendance you know I think the academy stadium is great you know when we had United there and there was a, a large attendance there the atmosphere was there you know and it was fantastic and I would love to see that week in week out and we're far from it far from it but you know, the fact that we can hopefully move it in the right direction. I, I do still think that the pandemic is perhaps playing a little bit of a, a part in, in all of this, to be fair. I think people are still a little bit anxious about going out, going to places. But I do think the main the main issue is consistency. Like you said, with the fixtures and the, stru the structure and the timings, you know, I think we spoke about this before on the podcast where we said, you know, from one week to the next, you don't know when the game's going to be. You know, you could say Sunday two two o'clock is usually you know where we might be, but more often than not, you know, like you said, it's a week night, it's an early morning. It could be, you know, you just don't know. You know, for me, football is three o'clock on a Saturday. That's how I grew up with football. It's not like that anymore, I know, but you know, what I mean, it is important, I think, to get some consistency. I mean, what do you think, Charlotte? Yeah, 100% agree. But being, I mean, I've got friends who I want to come to games. They're like, oh, when's the game? And I'm like, I don't know when to tell them to come to a game because I don't know off the top of my head when the game is, like the next game is. So half 11 on a Saturday morning, all that don't work for me. So even people I want to bring to the games can't come. Um, so honestly, I do think it's about consistency and and um, having it at a certain time every week, which I know is impossible, but just I feel like it's so mixed. Like I feel like we were barely at home and this season and then the next we were away for like three weeks and then finally back at home and it's a late time and our early time but like you said about the, the derby I think personally that was my favorite game of the whole season because the atmosphere of the academy stadium was the the day was good before the game began because the, the academy stadium was just on fire and how a WSL stadium should be you know I've been to pretty much every other WSL stadium and it's just in terms of the fan experience, it doesn't compare. They don't do as much as we do for fans. And it, it is like, we're doing all this and we're, we're not getting the attendances. Like, what is the problem? Timing-wise as well, I don't. I think the start we had to the season on the pitch won't have helped the crowds because yeah. just naturally people just come more when the team are doing better as well. And at the start of the season, they weren't doing better. And if you don't follow them like we do and know the reasons for that, you just see the results. They were having a bad start. We know there was reasons behind that. But... Your more casual fans, the ones you're trying to draw in who don't know that yet, don't you know, don't know the ins and outs of it, and that won't have helped. Plus, like Emma says, you're coming back after the pandemic, so there was the, there was the, um, you know, the, the anxiousness that that provides, and then purely from, uh, you know, as you know, we do coaches to away games as well, and this is across the board because when we are at home, the away fans have the same problems that we have. When we're running these coaches, we spoke about this before. If it's a half eleven kickoff in London. We need to leave at like half past five in the morning to get there, you know, because there's certain rules for driving that length where the drivers have to have rests and things like that. 
you know so we, we've got to go that early and that affects everybody because people can't get to your pickup points at that time they're coming on the coaches because they, they don't drive so there's they need public transport sometimes or taxis to get them to where we're taking them and, and it'll be the same for people coming to manchester if it was the other way around this isn't a city issue this is across the board so these kickoff times are affected and it's not just the late sunday night ones early mornings are the same thing for instance saturday mornings well we've got a lot of families that come to our place and the kids play on saturday mornings they play for teams yeah. and it, you know there's there's a lot of those don't come if the game's on a saturday morning at half. i think we played brian at half 11 mm. on a saturday morning and i know for a fact that people came to us and said oh we can't come because so-and-so is playing for their team that day because they play on a saturday and these are the things they need to take this into account the men's team probably don't need to worry about things like that because they'll sell out because the men are top of the league they're flying you know and they're selling out pretty much every week you can actually list your ticket and, it, and if you can't go to the game, you can list your ticket on a website and it'll sell and things like that. But the women's game, I, I believe the women's game does have to take everything into account because they're not at the point where they can just take for granted that everyone's going to turn up every week yet. Maybe that will come and we will be selling out the, um, you know, four or 5,000 in the Academy Stadium, as Charlotte said, against United was great atmosphere. And that's the aim. That's the aim. We're not asking to you know, to get 20,000 in the Etihad every week, what we're looking for is to try and get 5,000 in the in the Academy Stadium and that would be a great atmosphere and a great thing. I think that's doable with a successful team and successful, as you've just said, guys, you know, the stuff they do off the pitch to, to welcome everybody in, you know, because that is all part of the day. It gives everyone a great day and they come back for it. So if they can get the other stuff right, like the, the timings and things like that, it all helps. Yeah, so yeah. It's a little bit of everything. Here's, here's the question that we have to ask ourselves. City do, for the whole promotional package, you know, they do it properly, flags, face painting, free drinks, affordable package. 31,000 people turn up to the Etihad to watch the derby. Where's the 28,000 people that didn't come back? Mm-hmm. Only, we only get average about, you know, up, up two to 3,000. Where is that disconnect that 31,000 people turn up to the big stadium but won't come to the academy. Now, if City can't do it, and Chelsea can't do it, all their promotional tricks, then there is a problem in terms of attracting people. But why aren't we targeting school, school, you know, teams that play school teams? You know, uh, there's loads of w- more w- women playing the game at junior level. Why aren't we giving them one pound tickets or three tickets? Why aren't we targeting people like Manchester Laces? Because one of the things that's great about women's football is it's very inclusive LGBTQ plus community. You know, how many can we attract more people from the from that community? Really pushing it to, towards men who are, you know, had games where there's been men's and women's on the same day. The crowds have gone up. We need to do more around that. But we do have a platform, the Euros. We have a window here now to, to build the game. And we can't afford to not be canny about how we well, how we do it. But I think I come back to the simple fact, you've got to make it easy. You've got to make it consistent. And you've got to tell people, as Dave says, what a great product we've got. And I'm not entirely sure we do that as well as we possibly could. And if we can't build on this platform for the Euros, then what what chance have we got to build that crowd, as you say, Dave, up to 5,000, which I think is very doable, particularly in the middle of this cost of living crisis, where although people are struggling, it's still pretty cheap to go to women's football. 
you know, we, we need to get that message out there. We need to build on that wind, you know, on that mm. platform. I'm going to leave it on that now because we spoke about it enough, but I think we definitely need to obviously commit to trying to drive the attendances forward. Uh, and like you said, Dave, I do think that the, the football itself plays a part. We're quite thick. Think fans can be quite fickle in that respect, you know. Football, isn't it? That's, yeah, yeah, it, that's it is. Fun. It can be a bit like that. I mean, obviously, the Etihad. The way I look at the Etihad, I think it was fantastic. I would much rather see, you know, an average good attendance at the academy than one-off games at the Etihad where we're, you know, drawing, you know, thirty thousand whatever. Just because I see those sort of uh, games as kind of like a day out. You know, a bit of a day out. It's an opportunity to go to the Etihad, watch a game of football for a more affordable price. If there are a lot of families that can't afford to take their children to perhaps watch the men's game. Uh, I know, obviously, there are usually, you know, discount tickets and, and stuff like that for, you know, cup games and things like that. But like you said, cost of living, it's a dear do at the moment. And people obviously have to do what they can and, you know, should treat themselves and, you know, you are going to just get those one-off fans that go to those sort of games and not come back. But yeah, I, I, I do think we're doing enough, but it's a hope that we can obviously build on on what we've already got, especially ne- looking ahead to next season. I was going to say, I'm, I'm kind of bit, a bit reluctant to say it, but let's talk about the season and obviously what's gone on, because obviously there's been a little, a little bit of an aftermath uh, now after the FA Cup. You know, we've obviously had some announcements from the club that, you know, quite a number of players have left, which, you know, is going to happen. You know, we have to, under, as fans, you know, you, you understand that the players come and go. Obviously, no incomings as yet. You know, we are planning to announce some signings. But, yeah, obviously really disappointing, especially, you know, when you've got players that have offered a lot of loyalty, longevity in the likes of Jill Scott, you know, Stanway. Obviously, bronze perhaps hasn't come as much as a, a surprise as perhaps those other two. But uh, let's just reflect on our thoughts on on those. Um, Jane, let's start with you. Obviously, how are you feeling um, given a bit of time that's passed now on obviously the outgoings and the announcements? I think from my point of view, kind of, there was a selection of players that we knew hadn't signed new contracts for whatever reason. So it wasn't massive shocks for for the likes of Caroline and Georgia and Lucy. I wasn't surprised by any of the announcement. You know, they're all they're all great players who've given great service to Sitter, um, played the parts in some amazing memories and massive kind of massive parts of the club but like you say it's football and and players come and go over the career you know I'm sure that we'll have some signings coming in that we can all get really excited about and you know a few games into the season if we've won the few games and we're playing well you know as you said before football fans are fickle so the players that have gone while we'll always remember them fondly kind of, you know, once you start winning and you've got a new few players in there, I don't think we'll look back. I think it'll do us good as well, actually, to get some real European experience into the squad because I think that's something that, you know, we want to do well in the Champions League. We want to have good games in the Champions League. So getting some players that have got some real European experience in there, I think will do us good and kind of freshen it up a bit, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, Frank asked the question, and it's sort of similar along the similar sort of lines. Do you think a transition into a more international team will be of more benefit? Just because 
we've been so used to as a club, you know, a, a, a team full of, of, of lionesses, I suppose, you know, you, you, they play together at club level, playing together at an international level. They're all good friends as well. Is it therefore time to maybe refresh the approach and go down a bit of a different route, perhaps to the likes of Chelsea and Arsenal have got a more sort of international sort of squad pool? Yeah, I mean, at first, I'm, I'm slightly bored with, with some of the hysteria around this because as Jane rightly points out, the, the thing about football, players come, players go. You know, they're, they're in, the, in, in the men's ground, they where I go, and there's a picture of the very first City women's squad. And, and it's remarkable that three of those players, Barsley, Scott and Horton, are, are actually still with the club. The rest of them have gone. You know, we can't, we can't get nostalgic about players. We're not going to win the Champions League. With all due respect to Jill Scott, who's been a fantastic servant, we're not going to win the Champions League with a 35-year-old midfielder. You know, that's, that's the truth of the matter. Um, you know, Callum Barsley hasn't played for two seasons, virtually. Another fantastic servant. Losing Lucy Bonds is a blow, but she hasn't been brilliant this season. Caroline Weir sometimes goes missing in the game. And, you know, Stanway's a loss, I think, because she does bring something different to the team. And she's a young, outstanding talent. But the reality is, three of the six that have gone, we're not going to miss them because they've not either not been in the team, not been good enough, or at the end of their career. This is what happens with players. So bringing in is apparently two top-class players coming in from Letico, Alexandria and Castellanos. They are going to bring something new. We've got Blackstead in, he's brilliant. I mean, she's a brilliant signing. You know, the reality is that if Gareth Taylor hasn't noticed that these players are going to be going, He's not doing his job properly. So he'll know that these players are going, because literally all of us knew that. He'll have got earmarked players to come in, or we'll be looking at people like Esme Morgan, who's signed a long contract. Lauren Hemp and, and Kelly, they've signed long contracts as well. We're planning for the future. So we just need to sort of hold our nerve a bit here. We, we've come out of a season where we probably have been playing as well as we have been for the last two or three seasons. We've you know, got a really good squad now. You know, got England's number one, you know, the best midfielder in, in, in the country, in my view, running the, running the midfield. We've got great forwards. I mean, Bunny, Bunny Shaw has been a fantastic signing. Um, so I think we, we should we should just hold our nerve with this and just understand. I and mean, it's because, you know, if you've watched the men's game, I mean, some of the players that have gone out of the men's team, you know, I'd have given money. I'd have paid for them to get to league because it was so awful. You know, this, this, what, this is what happens in, in football. Players come and go. So I, I'm, I'm grateful for the service of those players that have gone, but we need to just look to the future. And I think the way we've been playing since Christmas, adding a couple of decent players into that mix, I think we've and bringing Esme Morgan back, who's been out for the, virtually the whole season. And you've got people like Ruby Mace as well. You know, she's mm-hmm. the best young, best young defender in, in the country by a mile. So she can cover it right back if necessary. Morgan's going to come back. There's laws, there's laws that we should be encouraged by, and just, just let's just dampen the hysteria down a bit about you know people going because they are, always go in the close season. I think it's probably come as a shock just because of the number of players, but I think what what it does kind of identify is the need to kind of maybe look to other to other teams because we have been so used to playing a certain way. And let's be honest, what have we done? (laughs) What have we done other than achieve the same things domestically as Cups? 
you know, our ambition is always high at the start of the season. We want to do well in Europe and we want to go on and try and win the Women's Super League. Um, and they're the same objectives that we always, you know, when we have the podcast, Jane, Dave, you'll know at the start of the season, and, we, and you know, what do we want from this season? We always say, come on, is it going to be the Champions League, the Women's mm-hmm. Super League? And, and they're the two trophies, you know, that we want to succeed and have success in. And, you know, we should set our ambitions higher. You know, we always kind of, we don't f- fall at the first hope. Well, we have done in recent seasons. You know, we have, we get off to slow starts and then we're sort of competing at the top half of the table. Um, I think, you know, so when you look at this season, it's still, though we have done well in terms of, you know, getting that top three finish, getting the Champions League football, getting the trophy in the cabinet. Is it still enough? You know, I, you know, we have been used to success in the, the early parts of obviously turning professional and, you know, 2016, very successful. And really, what have we done since then? You've got to progress. You've definitely got to progress. And progression for City would be challenging for the title, as you say, Emma, is, is a priority. And a better run than we've been having in Europe is a priority. I'm not saying go all the way and win it first year, but certainly challenged like we were doing two or three years ago. Now, you know, every single one of those players that left, we all knew they were going because they didn't sign the contracts. It wasn't a shock. Or they were coming to the end of their careers, Taye, Karen, or, you know, Karen and Jill, both legends of the club, but we knew, you know, we pretty much knew that they weren't going to be here next season. So the club knew, have known that as well. They're not daft. They're not, he's not silly. Um, they've already started to replace. Before we even talk about the tr- the players that are to come in now in the summer. If you look at last season, the same people who are having meltdowns online about Philippa Engeldown not playing. Well, she will play. She will play now. She's another one that's going to be a big player for City. They eh? have had to wait for their moment. Blackstad, as, as Paul rightly says, quality, modern player, really good modern European player and young and she looks outstanding. I think Philippa Angledown's got a big part to play in this team. Um, you know, she's, she plays for Sweden. They're one of the best teams in the world, Sweden. And we'll see that in the summer. And we'll see how they see how they deploy her and how good she looks in that side. And we'll do that. And Gareth will do that. Then you've got the ones you're talking about that you're going to bring in. We won't be short of players. We will definitely not be short of players. As you rightly say, Esme Morgan, brand new contract, just signed, terrible injury out for a year. I'm sure she's in the long-term plans. And there's other young players as well coming through, plus the ones we are going to sign, because we will sign players, I guarantee you that, and we're going to sign class international top-notch players. So the team will be ready to go. Now, unfortunately, because of the way things are, we've got a Euros, and then it's going to go straight into the season again. We could we could do with a, a bit of a pre-season when you get a lot of new players together. They're going to have to learn to hit the ground running. They're going to have to learn from last season's mistakes, in my opinion, as a squad and hit the ground running because there's not much room for error in this league. As we know, you could lose one, two games and then you already you won't win the league. It's literally that tight. Um, so there's not much room for error. But I think we're ready to go. I think the management's done well. And I, I saw someone ask the question under one of your tweets, Emma. Did we think that the team was better than it was two years ago? Well, I think with the right signings this summer, yes, the answer to that would be yes. I do think it's. I think it's a. It could. It's got the potential now to be a better all-round squad. You can't just have eleven players. You need a squad. My only worry is that 
when we look to sign international players that haven't had any experience in the WSL, it takes them a lot longer to bed in, bed into the environment, bed into, you know, um, maybe Gareth's way of playing. Um, and it just takes that little bit longer. Obviously, we've seen that with Alana. Though she had the, the experience of playing in the WSL, the environment was different. Maybe it took a little bit longer for, for Kadisha to kind of settle in as well. Um, you know, we've seen it with Nadia Nadine. You know, we've 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 seen it with quite a lot of players that have come in internationally that haven't had the experience with WSL, and not just us, other teams as well. And that is my only worry, just because of of the areas that perhaps were a little bit thin on the ground. But then I am so excited by you know the the prospect of like Esme Morgan coming back into the the squad and getting a real opportunity to cement herself within a starting eleven because she's waited so, so long for it. I mean, Charlotte, what do you think? I mean, yeah, when I found out about the players leaving, I, I was upset because it has been my first full season and um, Twitter was quite a hateful place to be and I had to come off Twitter because it was just making me sad everything I read. Um, I feel like there's so many hateful things said about Gareth and the club and I just, you know, was a lonely place to be. So I just came off Twitter, but... I have reminded myself it's not a fan club, it is a football club and, you know, I do trust the team. We're going to sign new players and we're going to rebuild. And hearing you just say that about we need internationals coming in and, and we need to challenge in the Champions League. And I feel like bringing in these new players will be will be exactly what we need. Uh, Emma, I'm going to go out on a limb here and, and, and I'm going to let, let's be honest with ourselves and, and as fans. We've won one WSL. That's nowhere near good enough, given the, the amount of investment and players we've had through the club. We should have won more titles than we've won. That's the truth of the matter. I'm going to say something else that might be controversial. I think Gareth Taylor is a much better coach than his predecessor. I think tactically, he's much more on it. He's got a plan B. We never had a plan B under his predecessor. Now we've got a plan B. You can see how he's bringing those players in. And if you look at the early part of the season, players like Anala Kennedy, who's got, I think, 100 caps for the Matildas, who are a good international side. You know, she's playing in a top-quality international team. Any any international player, any top-quality player coming into that team before Christmas would have struggled because it was chaos. You know, Georgia Stanway at left-back, reserve goalkeeper, players playing way out of position, Jill Scott playing at centre-half. Any player, you could have brought... Sam Kerr into that team and she would have struggled. You could have brought any of the Chelsea team into that team and they would have struggled. But after Christmas, when you saw the full team starting to play, you can see how bringing in, say, those two Atletico players, they'll fit into that team easily. You saw Bunny Shaw, when the team settled, when all the players were back, you could see how good she was. So I think, I, I, I hear what you're saying, Emma, about you know bringing players in but we're going to be signing players from the top clubs in Europe and the top clubs in Australia and around the world. They should be good enough to be a slot into a settled team, well coached by Gareth Taylor. And if we can get a good start instead of our usual sluggish start, then there's every reason to think we could win the WSL next but season. The thing is, Paul, I said this last season and look what happened. <laughs> we brought in international players. He couldn't adapt. And we got a slow start, so I'm I'm not we, saying that this time. I'm gonna lower my expectations, and then be surprised when it happens. 
I think we need a little bit. I think we need a little, I think we deserve a little bit of luck this time. If you start, if you look at the start of last season, look how well um, Vicky Lasada started for us. She fitted straight in because she's a class player. And she mm. comes in, European champion, and looked really class. And then the whole season was blighted by injury, one after the other. As soon as she got going, she got injured again. And got now she can have a if she could have um, a clear run this season, she's one of going to be one of the best players in the league. And we've hardly seen her play. Mm. So you know, you know, put her, and that's just the play. I'm just talking about the players that are already here when I talk about her and Angle mm. Dahl and Blackstad, plus the ones that Paul's talking about. They're going to bring in. It's going to give him a. What he didn't have a lot of the time last season was a choice. He didn't have, he was playing the same 11 almost every week. He had a 16 year old kid who couldn't train on the bench because he couldn't train because he was at school. I mean, you can't challenge with that. Yeah. You can't, in this league, you no. can't challenge. And hopefully we get a little bit more luck this season when th- those sort of things don't happen because as soon as he's got a full squad to choose from, he's going to have quality in every position with backup. Uh, and rotation I- comes into it then. Yeah, I think the thing is as well. I can look as next. I can look as look at next season um, as a bit of a a bit of a rebuild, if you like. I don't like saying rebuild because that's it's it's not really refresh, right. Maybe. Got, refresh. Yeah, refresh. It's just because I, I can get behind it. I can be patient if you can see the performances and just see what he's trying to do. Um, and if it takes a season for it to come good. And I think that's why I'm just a little bit disappointed of how we finished the season because you can see it coming together and you can see that we were getting stronger. If if you turn that season on its head and we started that way, we'd have been in contention, no doubt about know. it. You know what I mean? No, no. So it is about a strong start. And we've had two seasons where we didn't start well. And mm. I feel like if we can really get off to a really good start, then we, of course we can compete. Of course, you know, there isn't any reason why we shouldn't be saying that, you know, we believe that we can go on and achieve and do well. Um, I think Europe is, I think they'll really want to prove themselves back in Europe. I think that is, you know, a, a massive objective for City. Like you said, I, I don't think even winning it, Dave, like as you put, just to the knockout stages, you know, pushing to the latter stages of the competition and, and just, you know, showing what we can do on the European stage. I think just because of the way we went out, I, I really, really do. It was just a massive disappointment. And I think we felt that. I think we felt that for a while. I think, that, you know, it, it really bruised us. And I think it, it took us a, a while to get over that, I think, as a team as well. Well, it's the nature of it being at the start of the season as well, if it goes wrong, I literally, I mean, it's the first game, isn't it? The Europe qualifiers. Yeah. And if it goes wrong, then you're on a, almost on the back foot going into the WSL season. And, you know, you, you, you want to start on a positive or knock-on effects, really. One of the positives is that quite a few of our squad now aren't playing in the Euros. You know, Bunny, the Australians. You know, there's a few players that will be free of injury, guaranteed, unless, you know, they fall, unless they stub the toe on holiday or fall down some stairs or something. So, you know, we're, we're starting to get a squad where it's not just relying on the England team. I mean, yeah, the danger is that Blackstead and others who will be playing for their national teams, Angle Dahl and Cole, could get injured too. But I think that Dave hit the nail on the head when he said squad. We need to have a big squad to rotate the players around. And we didn't have that at the start of last season. But at some points, I often thought they just put on the tie. Anyone fancy a game, you've got your boots with you. Because they were so short on numbers, 
you know, as Dave says, a 16-year-old kid on the bench, a 17-year-old kid in, in goals against Arsenal. Georgia Stanway having the reserve keeper, you know, on her peg, you know, before she went out. You know, it, it was just it was just chaos. And we were always going to struggle with that. I think we can have a big enough squad that we, we can put 11 good players on the field for that first game of the season. And that should be good enough to win that qualifier. And don't forget, we lost the first qualifier last season to Atletico. We're a bloody good side. They're a really, really good side. You know, so we got a bit unlucky with that as well. We got a bad draw. And we, you know, we just weren't in the position. We didn't have any enough players in that team to beat that other, that to beat them. So I think you're right, Emma. I think we need to be cautious. But if we played anywhere like we did in the second half of the season in, in, the first half, it would have gone down to the last game of the season between us and Chelsea because we were clearly the best two teams in the league by the end of the season by some distance. Um, and we should have beat Arsenal at our place and we were unlucky at a, a bit of magic from a, a really, really good player on us at the end. So, like you, I'm cautious, but I do think we're starting to see a really, really big, talented squad coming together, which is what Chelsea have got. They've got a different flavour. They've got, as you say, a much more international cosmopolitan side. And I think we can do that. And it's worth remembering, we did beat Barcelona at our place a couple of seasons ago. We can do it in Europe. We're a little bit more consistent, I think. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I definitely agree with that. I am ready now to... Well, I, I think... I'm, I'm not too sure if we're going to hear of any of those new signings coming in before the Euros. Uh, but with it being on, on home soil, it, it might benefit those sort of um, announcements being made. So, you know, just wait and see, I think. Nigel asked uh, on Twitter, though, there were times that this season where we felt like we needed a refresh. We've already spoke about that and inject something new into our style of play, feel make us less predictable. Do you feel that we've become a bit predictable in our style of play, Dave? Not really. I can see, I can see like, the shift, like we say, to a more... As Paul put it a minute ago, continental squad, maybe with with Europe in mind, gives gives you know certain players coming in from these top sides like Barcelona, Atletico Madrid, come with a certain sort of style that maybe an English player doesn't have. We've had a very heavy top heavy English based team for a number of years and and, and successful. That's not that's not you know we've won eight trophies in, in eight years. It, it's not bad. Um, it could possibly be better. We've certainly challenged for the title more than the ones that we've won it. Um, so no, I don't. I don't think so, Emma. I think um, I think we're going about it the right way. And I, I like the term, like you said, it's not a rebuild, but like to, it's just a little refresh. We've lost good players who we wish well, who've done great for City, Stanway, Weir. The memories are, you know, Caroline Weir's the memories of the Derby goals alone, the cup final. You know, those are great players, but. You know, they've moved on now and now it's about the ones that are coming in. It's about the future. We don't forget what they've done and what their part they've played. But I just think there's a little shift in the mindset of the club to be a little more. And I'm trying to find the right word. I think Continental is a good way of putting it. It's just a little bit a different direction, It's you know, to what we've had in the past. And I think it's a more modern, the way that modern football is. And it gives us, as I said before, a squad. Barring injuries, surely we can't have the same injuries we had last season. I mean, that'd be unbelievable for that to happen again. So that would then give us a squad and he can rotate and he's got a game on a Wednesday, a game on a Sunday, blah, blah, in Europe and, and, and in the WSL, much like the men have to deal with. You know, Pep's the same. He needs a squad. 
So I think Gareth needs a squad and he needs choices to make. People are in form, people who've got slight knocks, people would be better playing against certain opposition, maybe with more nous for a European game. So I like it. I, I think it's progression. I think we're seeing a progression Definitely. and I think I think it'll work out. Progression is definitely the right word. Yeah, I, I can get behind it. I can definitely get behind it. And like I said, if it if it takes longer than a season, so be it. That's that's kind of what I've said, and that's kind of how I feel about it. I'll still get behind the players. I'll get behind the team, and believe that we can do well. Uh, because I never wouldn't doubt that we can. Um, you know, we've had some great successes over the years. Uh, and I do feel as a team that we've we've kind of un, underachieved in recent seasons. Um, you know, we're quality uh, in terms of uh, how we play and how we perform. And we do have principles that I do think that we stick to that do, I suppose, make us a little bit predictable because we play in the same way. You know, we like to keep possession of the ball. We like to play the wings. We like to get our, you know, whip the balls in. You know, Chloe Kelly, Lauren Hemp, we've seen it all you know, throughout the season, uh, especially with Chloe as well, towards the end too. Yeah, I, I don't think it is predictable. I, I think what you're seeing is Gareth Taylor bringing the academy style of playing and what you see in the men's game, that possession style football, pushing the wing backs up high, um, getting the ball across, getting into the wings, pushing the ball into the middle. But also when you look, when we're out of possession, we hunt in packs like the men do. We go after teams and try and get that ball back as quickly as we can. So they've been drilled in a different way. And that, if you look at the team we play, the likes of, say, Brighton or Birmingham, it's the same in the men's game. You wear them down, the other teams down, by keeping the ball and making them work really hard. And then, then you strike and you score six goals in the second half or five goals in the second half because the other team are knackered and they're struggling. To, you know, I mean, Brighton was shattered by the end of that game. With Birmingham, you know, they were they were blowing after 55, 60 minutes. So I don't think we're that predictable. I think we're playing a different style of football. And I think it's a much more entertaining, dynamic style of football. And and it's not Lauren Hemp is probably the most unpredictable player in the league at the moment. You know, I mean, she's a you know, some of those right backs and some of those defenders, you know, they'll be waking up in the summer in a cold sweat thinking about what she's done to them. Chloe Kelly does the same. Jess Park does the same. Rasso does the same. You've got Bunny Shaw running down the middle. He's a really, really intelligent player with great feet, but a real presence. You know, the fact that Ellen White is a sort of fringe player in our team says a lot about the quality that we've been bringing in. And in any other team, Ellen White would be a number one choice at the moment. You know, oh, I can't bit... wait to get going now. When's the fixtures out? Well, exactly. I, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm... Dave, you know, we're not going to know when these fixtures are out for at least another two months, probably the week before the league starts. Yeah, 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 fair enough. Yeah. It'll be the Thursday night before the first game, won't it? I mean, if you look at that fixture list, that fixture list by Christmas should be on Crime Watch UK because it'll be the biggest con and the biggest fraud you'll ever see. It'll be no relation that fixture list to where those games end up. Yeah, uh, true. So, I, so we—that's something we need to bear in mind. <laughs> it will, you know, and and as you said, Dave, we are slightly um, hamstrung by the fact that because of the success of football and Sky's figures are far better than they anticipated, um, they, you know, we will have things moving around. But you know, hopefully, we'll have that Euro bounce and people will actually be in the ground because, frankly, there's nothing 
nothing like being in the ground and watching these players. It doesn't, it, you know, sitting at home watching it doesn't. Uh, I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm I'm very excited about this season. Good. Um, okay, so let's finish then with our favourite moments of the season. Connie's asked um, what our favourite moments are, um, who's impressed the most. Obviously, we know announced today, uh, Lauren Hemp has been announced in the shortlist for the PFA player, Young Player of the Year, and Alex Greenwood, and again, Lauren Hemp shortlisted in the PFA Player of the Year. So... Obviously, Lauren Hemp, no strangers to this award, <laughs> especially for the Young Player of the Year. Great to see her shortlisted again, deserving of it. There's, you know, no argument there whatsoever. Uh, Jane, obviously, you must be pleased with um, the announcement today. Yeah, definitely. And I think both those players deserve that recognition. Um, Lauren has been outstanding um, this season. She's had an absolutely fantastic season. As Paul said before, you know, she's not predictable. You, you don't know what she's going to do. And to be honest, even when they do know what she's going to do, there's not really anything they can do about it half the time. Mm. Um, so to see her getting some recognition again for that is, is definitely deserved. And Alex Greenwood has had an absolute outstanding season. She has been kind of the stalwart who's been there, kept that, kept that team together, kept the team together when, you know, when we had all those really tough injuries and when we had kind of all those players out. Alex was the one player who was there week in, week out and who was performing well week in, week out and then progressed throughout the season and as everybody came back, just kind of showed her class. Um, so I think both those players definitely deserve the recognition and uh, hopefully uh, hopefully, we'll come away with the awards. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I mean... Obviously, uh, Alex was um, presented with uh, players, well, the OSC's Player of the Year as well. So, you know, it's it's great that obviously she's getting that recognition from, you know, her peers as well, as well as the fans. Um, you know, she's had a fantastic season. Um, like you said, lots of positives to carry over into the new season ahead. I think, like you say, those are two, two players that have, have, have really shone throughout this season. I think... Lauren Hemp, the quality, the creativeness, um, the speed, the, her technical ability uh, is unbelievable. And, you know, when, you know, other fans as well are taking notice and giving her credit for performances that she's putting in week in, week out, uh, and you're looking ahead to, you know, the Euros and and the potential of what she could do on, on a, you know, uh, European stage um, and the impact that she could have in a major tournament. I mean, how incredible is that, Charlotte? Oh yeah, Lauren is definitely someone I'm so excited for at the Euros. I think she's she's going to be a starting for sure in Serena's team. And we, we've seen Chloe Kelly training with the Lionesses this, um, this week. So, you know, my fingers are crossed she gets picked for the team as well. Because again, Serena must have a difficult decision whether, whether to start. To, to pick a team for the summer but um, Lauren's definitely got to be one of the first on the team sheet as well as Alex yeah I'm so excited to see them perform at the Euros their time to shine and, and show the world what they're capable of I know um, I was laughing the other day the OSC put on a, shared a reel on Instagram of Steph <laughs> Steph going to training. She was like a kid on the yeah. first day of school <laughs> <laughs> uh, how ple I mean it's great to see Steph 
you know, back, uh, back training with the Lionesses, um, hopefully putting herself in contention uh, for that final squad uh, for the Euros. I mean, you know, after such a, a difficult season as well for Steph, obviously struggling with that injury, just great to see really, isn't it, Dave? It is, yeah. People like uh, Steph and Jill being in that squad, even if they don't play every game, I think they've been there, they've done it, they've bought the T-shirt, they know what these tournaments are like. And I think it helps a lot of the young players, especially the ones who are experiencing the, uh, the first tournament sort of thing, your major tournament. So uh, players like that, even just having them around on a daily basis and in training, is going to be a massive help. And then their experience could come into play on the pitch as well. Um, so it's great to say I hope Steph makes it I really do she deserves it touch and go as well for her and I, and I think you know you could see the kind of the the kind of disappointment from Steph's point of view in terms of you know really wanting to be there really wanting to compete uh, especially in a, a major tournament you could see how much it meant to her and then mm. the fact that she's she's sort of there and hopefully in and amongst the, the camp and, and hopefully will be available is is just fantastic because I think we're all a little worried that perhaps she couldn't make it. Uh, it was looking a little bit unlikely, but the fact that she's really put the graft in as well in her recovery to, to get to that point just shows the type of person that Steph is and, and how dedicated she is in terms of her professionalism and a, a player and a leader. I think, yeah. I, mean, I think we have to be realistic as well, though, that... As Dave says, I think what she'll bring to the squad is that, you know, leadership and professionalism, because I think she might struggle to get into that starting eleven, given, um, you know, Alex and um, others that are playing really, have been playing really well in that position. But, you know, let's hope she gets in the team and she's certainly going to be a player that they can rely on to, to set the example to all the other players uh, and, and may well play herself into it. I think what we've got to also recognise is this new coach has shown just how awful Phil Neville was. As, as a coach, <laughs> absolutely. You know, he made it some of the best players in Europe look like they were pub players. You know, this new coach has got them absolutely playing as a team. You know, she's very professional. She expects high standards. She's playing people in form in the right places. You know, she's got a tactical nous. You know, and that's why I think we could actually win the tournament because we've got one of the best squads in going into this tournament. You know, world class players all over the park. You know, and if we can, if she can get them playing the way she has been in the friendlies and moving in, you know, I've got Ellen Road in, in a few weeks to watch them. It's just like watching two different teams. It's like watching a Sunday league side and a professional side. And it's just simply down to a coach who knows what she's doing uh, and getting players to play uh, like they do at club level and not having a clique and not having, you know, people who just get in because they just happen to be this particular person, you've got to be good to get in that team now. Um, and I, I, like Charlotte says, you know, she's got real dilemmas now, which is what you need at international level. Do you play Chloe Kelly or do you play somebody else? Do you play Steph or do you play Alex? Do you, you know, th there's lots of options now for, for our coach at international level. And that's how it should be because we can win this tournament. And if we win this tournament, it's going to be massive for our game. Sorry. Um, Charlotte's, you can't obviously see because it's an audio podcast, but Charlotte's repping the new away shirt. <laughs> Someone's really up for it. Fair. It looks quite nice. Are you pleased with the shirt? Yeah, very pleased. Hard decision who to get on the back, uh, to be honest. I'm thinking Alex Greenwood, but maybe I'll put a Twitter poll out. But uh, yeah, <laughs> tough decision. 
Yeah, definitely. The OSC went along to the World Show event for the Euros. Oh, yeah. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Um, what was that like? Yeah, it was um, in the Manchester Cathedral Gardens. It was a great event. They had like little uh, little things that people could do. Refereeing, uh, VAR. I didn't get it correct. Jane, did you get it correct? <laughs> I did. I got it correct, which unfortunately means I'm too overqualified to be in the WSL next year. Oh, <laughs> shade. <laughs> shade. <laughs> But yeah, like little fun things like that. And there was giving out free stickers for the sticker album as well. And um, a few of us are collecting them. So um, yeah, it was a great event and just makes me more excited for, for, the, for the summer really to come. There was a yeah. pictures with the trophy. The actual trophy was there. It wasn't a replica. It was the actual one with all the names on the back. That was nice. They had Rachel Brown finished giving a chat. That was all. It's always good to hear her talk. I had a look at the schedule because I couldn't make I couldn't make the Manchester Cathedral one, but it's been at the Trafford Centre for the last few days, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, and then it's going to move on around the country as well. So if you're not in Manchester and you're somewhere else in the UK, in the UK, you know, definitely check out where that's going because it's it's all over and it's only just started. I think it's it's got to go down to Brighton. Is it going Sheffield as well? At Leeds, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's a good afternoon out if you can if you can spare the time and go for a couple of hours. It's, it's well worth doing. Yeah, the Leeds one is actually the same day as the England game at Ellen Road. Um, so, yeah, it's a good chance to yeah. get to So, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's definitely a lot going on and it's great to see as well. I think it's going to be, it's building up to be a great summer. And if you are going along to any of the international games, enjoy them. I think a lot of us are all going to be around and about. So I'm sure on Twitter and stuff, we'll be sharing our locations and maybe go for some drinky poos. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that um, Italy v Iceland at the academy is no longer, you can't buy tickets anymore. So I think that's sold out. I'm guessing, I'm not sure. The academy games are looking like they're selling out, aren't they? And there's been quite a few that especially have got limited tickets and limited availabilities. So yeah, they, they should be uh, quite a good turnout, especially at the academy. I don't know what Lee's looking like, but I think, like you said, I think that's going to be interesting to see how they manage that in terms of. Uh, accessibility whether they're going to put on some transport or you know specific for for that kind of game because um it's going to be very difficult i think for some fans to maybe even get there yeah. i mean can you imagine coming all the way from holland and ended up in lee i mean it's not going to be the, uh, <laughs> be completely flubbocks aren't you like, what what's this place you know it's they're going to take what, over that morrison what is that? <laughs> what is yeah i mean and then the duck and then the duck Everyone would be going for a fry up in the calf and not knowing what's yeah. going on. <laughs> and then, and then the Dutch players haven't have a shower in a part of cabin. I mean, it's going to be a going to be a unique experience for for the, one of the best teams in the tournament. I think. <laughs> Can't wait. Um, so let's finish the podcast then with our moments of the season. Um, Dave, we'll start with you. Um, you know, for all we've had highs, we've had lows, but we've had some good moments. So let's. Uh, Let's focus on those. Um, what's been your highlight? Oh, dear. There's obvious ones like Caroline's goal at the Academy against you know who. The, 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 Conte, Cook, the Conte Cook night was just fantastic. What a performance that was. Uh, and obviously the trip to Wembley. But uh, I'm going to say, I think I think the second half comeback um, against United at Lee, I think that's when we really realised the team was clicking. Gareth made changes that day that needed to be made at half-time and we really did take them to the cleaners. Second half. Uh, so standing there, 
all the same, out singing them on their own patch and really giving it to them second half and really taking them apart. And I think we, we that's the first time the team started to really gel. The new players were fitted in and we realised, you know, that the season had turned. So, uh, yeah, that, that win at Lee was, was special. Yeah, Paul, what about yourself? Um, well, th- th- there was obviously a huge amount of... Um, um, sort of comedy value in Jill Scott playing at centre half and trying her best, having never played that position to uh, to really you know deliver a really good performance. That was that was really an outstanding show from her. And then watching Georgia Stanway manfully trying to play a, a left back um, and and struggling to do that, but doing you know taking one for the team. Like those two things really stand out. Um, but in terms of the football, I mean, as Dave says, I think that performance, both performances against United were outstanding. The way that we came back in the Conti Cup and, and that second half performance, where I think that was the best we played all season. I thought we were brilliant in that in that half. Um, and then just a day out to Wembley, which was an unexpected bonus ball. I never thought this season that I would end up at Wembley. And to see nearly 50,000 people watching an absolutely classic FA Cup final, you can't buy those sort of movies. I took my seventeen-year-old daughter. We've been to a couple of finals now. I can't, she, I can't buy those memories with her. Those are the things that she'll remember me by when I'm long gone and my ashes are outside the Etihad. She'll remember those things and she'll remember that day. So that for me was just absolutely brilliant. And to see all the OSC people there, you, you traipsed up and down the country getting their day out in the sun and seeing all those new families that had come to see our game. That, to me, that's what women's football is all about. That sense of community, that sense of inclusion, and being able to watch world-class players for next to nothing. It's brilliant. Yeah, definitely. Um, Charlotte? Yeah, I feel so lucky. I've been able to go to so many games. Uh, we've been to so many amazing away games. Like I, I really enjoyed the West Ham away games, the semi-finals. Just thinking, run away to Wembley for the first time, and those goals as well for that game was, was something I always look back and fond memory. But obviously, the concert cover couldn't even speak the next day. Um, my voice had completely gone. It was the whole day was just amazing for the Conte Cup. But again, the home derby was probably my favourite for the atmosphere, and I, I really hope to see the academy full of five thousand people again soon. Yeah, I mean, uh, that was probably my highlight. I- agree with absolutely everything we know we know yours emma we remember you at the conti cup final we know yours <laughs> i'm not actually gonna say the conti cup but i love the conti cup I can't, I can't for me it's been ellen white just ellen white in small doses in big doses um ellen white i'm gonna swear shit house it in the derby thank you very much <laughs> loved it uh <laughs> i want more of that uh ellen white gets it don't she she has been fantastic this season. She, You can tell she's missed having fans in the stadium. Um, and she's really, really just egged us all on uh, completely. And I loved it. Um, she's had a lot of time for a lot of fans. And you can really see um, that it means a lot to her. Um, whenever she steps out on that pitch, she knows she's got a job to do. And she'll rise to it as best she can. Uh, and I've really enjoyed watching her this season. Uh, you know, as well as the other players that we've already talked about, um, I just want to give her a mention as well because, you know, at times she's wore the armband this season. I, I think she's done Steph proud. I really do. And so's Alex. Um, it's it's been an exceptional season um, for many different reasons. 
uh, but I am very much looking forward to putting this one to bed and moving on to the next. <laughs> I've got to yeah. say, um, I'm excited. I'm, I am genuinely excited for, for what is going to happen over the summer, uh, for what the squad might look like come the start of the season and for hopefully what we can achieve next season. Um, and I'll 100%, as always, back the team uh, in in how we apply ourselves and and hopefully go at it come the come the start of the season so it's been fantastic and as i want to say thank you to you guys um i know a lot of you you know jane dave paul uh, you've offered a lot of time charlotte you know you've edited quite a few episodes it's great to obviously have you on as well for this last one but yeah, uh, thank you all for your time. Thank you for everything um, that you've done and contributed and to the OSC for all your work throughout the season uh, for the fans and helping support the fans. And and yeah, let's let's go again next season. I'm looking forward to it already. And thank you, Emma, for all the hard work. You know, I think people don't realise how much work you have to put in to make this podcast. So, you know, it's appreciated by us and we know how hard you work to, to get it out there for everyone. So thank you. What I, what I like about this podcast is, 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 you know, it's a sensible podcast where people, you know, um, it's not just clickbait. It's not, uh, you know, it's like some of them on, on online, you know, the people who come on. I have always... got time for clickbait, Paul. No, exactly. <laughs> exactly. exactly. You know, it's, it's people talking about the thing that they love in a sensible way and trying to make sense of something that sometimes feels very irrational. Football is a weird, strange thing. And that's why we love it. But the thing I love about this podcast is it has a range of opinions, but always sort of centred and grounded in reality and the love of the club and an appreciation of the women who play for our team, who are, the, who are model professionals and represent themselves, the club and the fans in the best way possible. And that's you know something that we can always rely on our players to be model professionals and great role models. You know, to like my say in York, look at those women and go, yeah, those are the sort of people I want to look up to and emulate because they're just good at what they do. And more than that, the decent people who have a lot of time for the fans. And you can't buy that. Definitely. Charlotte, thank you ever so much. Thank you for honestly, <laughs> thank you for all your hard work, Charlotte. I really appreciate it. You've been fantastic this season. So thank you. Enjoying it. So we'll just do it all again next season then. Why not? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? Like I'm I'm manifesting that we have like City v Liverpool, like the first like fixture of the. I know we've got that for the men's game, but I just think that'd be first a good fixture for the first game of the season. It'll do. It'll do for At us. The or Anfield would be amazing. I'm, that's what I'm hoping for. The first fixture. Any fixture that's not London will do for me. Yeah, please, it? please. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love. I'd love a home game for the first game. I don't care who. Yeah, is. a home I'd game. Love a home game for the first game of the season. Yeah. Like I said, you're gonna to have to wait ages to find out because we're not gonna, we're not gonna find out for a while. Yeah, you'll, find anyway. out on the, you'll find out on the Thursday night before the first game on the Sunday. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, it's, well in, it's well in hand. Always the way, always the way. I love the FA. <laughs> Take care, guys. Have a great yeah. summer. See you guys. Hi, I'm Esme Morgan and you're listening to MCW Fancast. And that's it. Thanks to our guests once again for joining us on this episode and to everybody who has contributed to the shows across the season. 
whether it be in the stands or over Zoom on a weeknight. Thank you. Uh, special thanks to Charlotte for coming on board with us this season and helping out with the editing of the episodes. Also, thanks to Manchester City for their help and support across the season, players and staff. And finally, to you, the listener. We really appreciate you tuning in and all the feedback and love you've shown the show. We hope you enjoyed listening and we will be back next season, ready to go again in September. Enjoy the summer, whatever you get up to, and we'll be back before you know it. Don't forget to follow us if you're not already at MCW Fancast. And if you want to, you can also follow me. You can find me at Emma underscore shown. I'll be at some of the upcoming games for the Women's Euros. So it'll be great to see some of you there. Have a great summer, everyone, and take care.